The Koi Gig Pod. Who is this serving? And what is the end goal? Would be kind of nice to know. I feel like we haven't had quite enough Irish bias this year, so I am quite happy to see this. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Yeah, the big freeze is on here and we're uh, going to be stuck with it at least until Saturday, it looks like. But to sunnier climbs uh, all the way down under, I'm delighted to say Sarah Rowe is with us. Sarah, good morning, good evening to you. How are you? Good evening. Thanks for having me on. And I would love to say that it was warm over here at the moment, but it's actually, we live in Melbourne and it's a bit different. So it's actually only about 13 degrees today. All right. Okay. So, I mean, it's definitely better than it us. Goes, but- it it goes, yeah, it goes between phases all the time. It's one of those places that it goes between a different season every few hours. So you could, it could be 30 degrees one minute and then down to 15 a couple hours later. It's mental. But um, hopefully the weather gets better now coming into Christmas. So you're in the off season at the moment. How's that going? What's, what's, what are you actually up to? Yeah, the off season is good. It's, it's weird because again, we're kind of still in the dark as to when our season starts um, again next. But the off season, you take like maybe a couple of days off max and then you're into prehab plans, rehab plans and all that stuff. I had a bit of tendinopathy in my knee towards the end of season. So I'm kind of on a prehab plan at the moment and just managing my body and getting the best out of it. So you're still training, you're still training probably a good 10 to 15 hours a week. So it just, it doesn't really stop. Um, It just, it's kind of more on your own terms probably is the way I'd say it. You find it hard to believe, Sarah, that it's been that it's been five years over there. Like, does it feel like five years? Ah, oh, it's. I was thinking that the other day when someone asked me. They're like, my sister's actually coming over in December with a couple of her friends, and I was like, I think she's going to be blown away by the fact that she's like, you actually have a life here. Like, I think my family thinks that I come over here on a holiday for six months <laughs> and then I come home for six months. But I think, yeah, being here five years, it was like a real moment where I was like. God, I have been here a long time, and I properly have a life over here now. So it's yeah, it's it's been so it's been so long, but it feels like it's such a short time. You still have the you still have the Mayo accent at least. There's no there's no Aussie twang just yet. Oh, don't worry, I can't can't lose that. Imagine I went home to Ireland with an Aussie accent. I'd be told to get back on the flight again and go sort my life out. <laughs> you would, be yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, <laughs> uh, you say you've got a life there. Is that something that you think that? is part of your future long term then because like it's difficult to give up the lifestyle presumably yeah it is it's it's always catch 22 I think I think for me like there's a few things um to play like obviously you're playing sport at a professional level and it's amazing and what it brings and you're constantly learning you're constantly getting feedback if it's not about AFLW it's about the person you are and the person that you need to become like so you're always getting feedback and in that working environment you're surrounded by people who are the highest performers in their field and you're getting such good treatment I suppose that it's really hard to up and leave that Um, but then the other part of it is that you go my family are the most important thing to me in my life and I try to stay as connected as I can as possible but that's also becomes difficult when you're working with time zones and all that so it's it's always you're kind of weighing up like how long do you do this for could you stay here long term I don't know I think it'd be too hard to be away from my family for that amount of time Is there so obviously the sport is relatively new like your experience of uh, different coaching styles stretches to international soccer 
uh, now the AFL and also very high level of Gaelic football. So you've got an incredible level of experience and, and compare and contrast uh, what everybody has to do. I'm, I'm not retiring yet by any stretch of the imagination, but there is a professional pathway to become a coach in the WFL, AFL, if, if that was of interest to you. Yeah, see, that's actually not something that I'm in any way interested in. Right. I think I wouldn't wouldn't have the patience to be a coach. I think I I would I know myself. I probably favour the ones who were doing everything right, who were training at a high level. Because you know, I suppose even with our SNC, like he is an he's done so much for our club. His name is Paul Turk. He's come in this year and he's completely changed the culture and the way we train and everything. But like he puts in what a player puts into him as well. So if you put in an effort, he will give you back that same amount of effort. So I think that would be the way I would probably be and feel as a coach. But like as a coach, obviously you need to work on everyone. But the side that I am really interested in is like the cultural side of things, the leadership side of things. And that for me fascinates me. And I think that's because of the three different environments that I've been in that I've always been really curious as to like, why is GA like this? Why is soccer like this? Why is AFL like this? And in general, what it all comes down to is like people and making sure that everyone feels valued within their environment, everyone feels comfortable and supported all the time. But it's very different in each world and they all have their own set of their own culture within the sport as well. So I think for me, that's the space that I'd like to work in. And I've been doing a bit of work recently with them. AIA, who are major sponsors of Collingwood and working on their culture within their business and then doing a small bit with Deloitte. So that's kind of helping me get more experience. They do like all this personality profiling and that's something that goes into when they're scouting players and when they're drafting players, they do all this profiling and testing on the player because they need to make sure that while being a good player is important, like being a good person that's going to bring really good energy to the club is also important because that can cause just as much problems that may be only seen off the field, but really are brought on the field as well. So that's probably the area that I'm really passionate about. Is that maybe more likely then to be the type of uh, post-sports career that you get into? Yeah, I think so. I think I have a background in neuro-linguistic programming. So like, that's all about subconscious mind and like that psychology side of things has been something that I've always tapped into. I've always loved it. And I think you can unlock secrets to life and you're far more in control of your own emotions than you think. So I think that's the side of things that I'll definitely go into in the future. Um, but yeah, I love working with people. I love trying to understand like every year is so different. Every year brings a, a whole different energy to your team, but culture for me is number one and like it just when our culture is good our performance is good and where our culture is not good our performance is generally not good either because there has to be so much trust within your team and you spend so many hours together that you basically go along people's journeys of life as well as um, you do and then the energy that you're expending within training as well is just like it's very full on the season like we do we have so many meetings and I was actually talking to a soccer player today over here and she said oh like I've a meeting today and I was like she plays for um, Melbourne City and she said I've I have a meeting today and I have another one tomorrow and I was like how many meetings do you have a week and she said two I was like we have a meeting for absolutely everything we must have six meetings a day and then we have meetings about meetings and then we have individual review review with the coach we're constantly reviewing um our performance whereas in the soccer world they don't do that as much and in the football world from my, from the last time I was in with Mail, we didn't do that as much either. So it's it's different everywhere you go.
It's like the US office, plenty of meetings for no reason. Um, like for you, Sarah, somebody takes an interest in it. I mean, what percentage of professional or semi-pro sport would you say is mental and what percentage is, is more on the physical side? That's a good question because men- mental for me is like there's players on our team who I suppose maybe are very, men- maybe have a lot of talent, but as time goes on, they will get washed out of the system if they don't do everything right. So I think a lot of it comes down to mental and the way you prepare. So I'm going to say probably 50-50, 60-40 right now at where the game is at. But when you look at the men's program, I think it's a lot more mental than it is. Oh, it's a, that's, a, that's a really difficult question because if you're mentally strong, you'll do all the right things to prepare properly. Therefore, your body will be in a good place. And therefore you'll train to the level that's expected because obviously you're trying to break mental barriers all the time. Um, but yeah, there's a fine line between um, that mental barrier and excuses. Like some people say, well, I need to be relaxed and I need to do things a different way. And then you these other red type personalities who are, want to do everything 100%, 100% of the time. It doesn't mean one way is right and one way is wrong. You have to embrace the differences. But within that really relaxed approach can come like, well, I'm not going to do recovery because recovery doesn't work for me. And like, for me, that's just an excuse. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, oh, that's, I do want to say 50, 50, but I might need to have a proper think about that one. Yeah. What, what, what do you guys think? Yeah, it probably is like, but it, it seems to have the, like, if you look at 10, 15, 20 years ago, the mental or psychological side of it was probably lower than it is now. There seems to be more of a focus put on it, which is great. Um, and important too. Like. Yeah, and it's even just the the planning and the organization around training as well. Like I sat down with a psychologist last week, and we just wrote down like you know weekly plans, weekly tasks, distractions, like just small things like that. That if you didn't have that resource, you may never think about that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's there's so much that does go into it now that it's um, you're just trying to simplify it for yourself as much as possible. But that's the thing, like players need really simple messages, but they need to plan it in order to, for messages to be simple. Probably comes down to habit as well. Like, would you have noticed a similarity or difference in your pre and post game ritual when it came to to GA and and soccer and and now with the AFLW? Yeah, definitely. I think my post game now. I think I don't. like after games for Gaelic or soccer like I feel like I would have sat on the games for a week and especially if I had a poor performance I would have been disappointed probably lacked sleep from thinking about the game and kind of being like kicking myself when I didn't perform well whereas now I kind of go well we actually have a game next week I have to be at training Monday and I have to do really well to perform and it's all about you know cliches and sounds about the process if I'm not going to train well on Monday and I'm not going to train well on Wednesday and Friday, then I'm probably not going to play well at the weekend. So it's like you straight away switch your focus to going, okay, I, I need the information. So I need to review with my head coach. I need to review with my line coach. And then once I have that done, I'm like, generally you don't do as bad as you think you've done. And then you have a discussion about it. And then you go right, park it, and then we move on. So, and you generally do move on like that. Whereas I feel sometimes with Gaelic as well, like you might never game for in the women's competition, like you might never game for three or four weeks, but you're, you're still thinking about the game three or four weeks. There's just too much of a gap of time. Whereas we've games week in, week out. Uh, you, you talked about the personality profile that um, gets done when recruitment is happening. 
obviously one of the outcomes of that is that you learn that everybody takes on information differently and in a culture some people are going to be mad into this stuff and other people will live it but not necessarily understand why they're living it and then some people will not be that interested either way but so long as they're uh, not damaging it doesn't really matter do you find that there are like uh, groups within the organisation who you can go and, and be like very invested in this and get deep dive into and then there's other groups where um, you're just trying to like uh, observe what they're doing I, I guess what I'm what I'm saying is that um, the, the massive living organism of a successful team has bunches in it and for all of them to coexist peacefully sometimes it's, it's not complicated and then other times it is quite complicated. Yeah, it was such a good exercise that we did. So we had, we did the whole team and we all did our personality profiles together. So then we got put into categories. So it was like, so I was put in a red category and I looked at all the people around me and I was like, I'm not a red personality. <laughs> and I was like looking around and, every, and then I was like, so I'm red with a touch of yellow. And red is very like, I want to get to the top. How do I get there? Show me now. And just tell me what I need to do. And then yellow is like bubbly personality. And like people wouldn't probably know this about me. Like unless you're in my team environment, you would think that I'm happy or lucky. Take the piss all the time, which I do do that. But behind the scenes, I'm very structured and very serious about my training and prepare as best I can. So anyway, that was an enlightening moment when I, they told me I was a red type personality. And they said, everyone in your red, yellow green, blue, go plan a party. So the red type personalities all go, you do that, you do that, done. Okay, we have the party planned already. Then you had the yellows who were really creative and they were like, oh, I'm going to, you know, make sure at the party that we have straws with pineapple in them and then we have fruit on the side and then we have the pool party and then we have the DJ and then we'll get confetti and all this detail <laughs> and all this creative stuff that was completely unrealistic. And then you had, I think it was the Greens who were really time efficient. They were like, oh, well, we need to be there. Everyone needs to be there for four or five. And if anyone's late, this is what we do and blah, blah. And then you, I, the blue, I can't, I think the blue was um, always worried about everyone else. I think that's the order of what it, what it went into. So they were like, where is everyone going to sleep? Where's like, you know, what kind of food do we need? Do we have enough drink? So then they went around. It was so obvious then that we were like, oh, like we actually are are all very similar within our categories. And then they mixed the groups up and then we had to plan a party again. And then it was a complete balance of an approach because it was like, so now can we understand as a team that I need you, you need me. And without us all together, this doesn't work. So it was really enlightening. I thought I thought it was such a good um, exercise to do. Uh, when you then bring it out onto the field, do you see it having benefits? Yeah, you do, because there's times when people are really uptight and then someone like another player would say, like, it's OK, you got this. And that might be all that other player needs. And then it's like we always need to find triggers. Like we use trigger words a lot, like as what's the word that gets you up or what is it that I need to do for you? And that's the question that we ask each other quite a bit is like what do you need from me on the field like how can I help you because within AFLW it's such a different game than um, I suppose Gaelic football where everything is kind of like instinct a bit more off the cuff whereas in AFLW like I feel like you really need to protect your players and it's a very structured game like playing on the wing like I have to stay out in the wing even if the ball doesn't come out there for the whole day like it's so frustrating as a Gaelic footballer because that's not the way I would 
want to play the game or the way I see the game, but I have to do what the team needs of me and how I can help my teammates best and what's best for the team. So um, it's just a different approach. But us Irish players, I feel, have a really, um, we all have a very similar mindset around it. We we just want to do what we want, but that's not the way it goes, um, especially in a professional environment. That uh, that soccer background you have, Sarah, like it's uh, quite exciting, and a lot of people will know that you, you've you've played for Shelburne. But um, when you're looking at Vera Powell's team now heading off to to Australia, ironically enough, uh, next summer, like that must be hugely exciting for you to even look on and and watch as someone who has a background in the sport at a, at a very high level. Hundred percent. It's. I was actually on the phone to Katie McCabe the last day. I hadn't. Spoke, we hadn't spoken in. I went to her Arsenal game last year, but like I hadn't properly caught up with her. Like we always message on WhatsApp, but like properly chatted her in a while. And I was like, I'm going to say two years, but like you know, the friendship still stick fast between myself, Katie, Claire, Chloe, and to see those girls put in the effort that they put in over the last eight or nine years and that team that we had at under 19 kind of you see those players coming through like Amber and all these girls and just like the evolution of all that I'm like I could not be happier for them and I just it was just so emotional to watch from afar and just be like it's incredible what they're doing and I'm just I'm so excited that it is on in Australia because hopefully I think we will be in the middle of our preseason but hopefully I can get over at some point and um, see the girls I'm sure you pick up little bits of uh uh, advice from Katie McCabe and vice versa as well advice from Katie yeah Katie's <laughs> full of words of wisdom <laughs> uh, she has she's a lovely cheek to her as well that I don't think anyone else knows about so um, we always have a good laugh when we're on the phone together but no she's she's the best I think for me with Katie like I just watched her grow up the whole way and like to see her go over to Arsenal struggle at the start and then when she first went over and then to make has to have such a big impact and be one of their best players and then become captain and now become like the leader and person that she is like she's just done amazing like it's just so good to see Sarah always great to catch up with you thanks a million for making the time for us thank you guys thanks for having me on OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar 